we probably won't see a lot of really where we are until we're coming out the other side of Christmas. You know, I remember back in the GFC when in September Lehman Brothers failed and all went very quiet. And then we went into sort of the Christmas period and everyone was saying, you know, it feels really quiet. Oh, but it's, and then it was sort of like, well, it's always quiet around Christmas. A lot of people shut down. And it wasn't until the end of January when things didn't start coming back that people really saw what the impact was. A welcome to our next ANZ podcast for business owners across Australia. This series is aimed to support our business owners' customers across Australia in what is proving to be a very challenging year and what will no doubt be a couple of challenging years ahead of us. I'll be chatting with industry leaders who offer advice and insight to help you not only survive the challenges, but come out the other side and thrive and be even stronger than you were before. Today, I'm pleased to be speaking with Isaac Rankin, who is ANZ's Managing Director of Commercial Banking. Isaac and his team support over half a million customers across Australia. These customers reflect the businesses across the Australian economy, from the smallest micro-businesses working from home to small to medium enterprises, through to emerging corporate customers. The customers are metro, regional-based, and include agri, property, retail, health, hospitality, and any other industry you care to name. Isaac has been with ANZ for 13 years, holding a number of senior roles across business banking, regional business banking, and our institutional bank. Welcome, Isaac. Thanks, Mark. So it's been quite a year for small business, and it's easy to forget what's happened prior to COVID-19, but we're in a period of quite significant drought and then some major bushfires across the country before COVID-19 hit. So an incredible year. Um, so what have you been seeing on the ground from small business and, and actually how challenging is it for our customers? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, it's easy to forget sort of where we come from over the last uh, six months or so, but you're right, economic conditions have been pretty mixed. I mean, prior to COVID, drought had a quite a significant impact in Australia in those affected regions and it's not just farmers but anyone in the supply chain or in fact anyone located where they might not be in the direct supply chain but they're in those communities and I think small businesses there have been hit pretty hard and of course when bushfires came through that had a massive impact as well both emotionally and physically on people's uh, premises and build and, and businesses and you know in some circumstances there was an overlap between drought rolling straight into bushfires. So it's pretty significant. And it's amazing to think now, because of the significant impact of COVID, that that has been pushed to the background. And in some ways, you've got to feel for, you know, in particular, those communities, because the newsworthiness of them has sort of drifted away. But they've been struggling with, you know, two or three uh, impacts uh, at the same time. But even before that, Economic conditions have been pretty mixed. You know, discretionary spend has been pretty weak across the economy, and some locations had pretty tough conditions for quite some time. I mean, if you're out in Western Australia, post the mining slowdown, it's probably the last four or five or maybe six years that the demand has been pretty subdued and business conditions pretty tough. But in you know, metropolitan southeast of Australia, has actually been on balance, you know, pretty strong, and the, the housing market has been you know, quite an indicator of that over that time. But, but certainly, you know, there's, there's some stories of winners 
as well, where even during COVID, some people in niche businesses or in particular businesses have actually been big winners through it as well. So we've really seen a real balance and some businesses have really had to pivot their business model on a temporary basis to keep a life stay, you know, take advantage of, of opportunities. But I think the more important thing will be as we roll through, what permanent changes our businesses will need to to adapt to survive. So that's that's interesting. The, the mining um, slowdown and then uh, the impacts of the pandemic in Western Australia, and then you've seen uh, the drought and bushfires, which is largely impacting regional communities. So, do you think this is a much bigger issue for regional Australia than it is for Metro? From a purely economic base of the country, obviously the it's you know the the volume of small business is larger in the major metropolitan centres, so that tends to outweigh on an overall economic impact. And we saw that in the bushfires; it was really devastating on livestock, on individuals, on personal property, and on certain areas. But when you look at it as Australia as a whole, the impact of that wasn't as great as you would think it should be, given the vast impact on you know the the geography that it happened in. So from an Australia overall perspective, you know, COVID will have a bigger economic impact um, you know, because it's universal. It's one of the features of this pandemic response has been government support and you know we've had um, a great collaboration with government and regulators to help us put packages in place for our customers. But the relief's not going to last forever. Um, our deferral of repayments will end. You know, JobKeeper payments will end. Um, rental uh, forbearance, if you like, from uh, landlords is going to come to an end at some point. So, you know, when you talk to customers, what are some of the challenges that they're they're seeing emerging, probably from about October onwards this year, and 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 how are they preparing? It? And do you have any advice for them? If you just think about COVID, you know, this is just something we haven't experienced before. You know, it's been a long time in Australia since we've had prolonged downturn or a recession. You know, even in GFC, um, the recovery was, was quicker than people expected and we didn't actually go into recession technically. And normally a recession follows boom conditions. So this is a bit different. And just how sharp and coordinated the decline has been, so hitting, you know, sort of every geography globally, as well as government-mandated restrictions on trading. So it hasn't even just been the natural order of businesses having to, to adjust, but there's been real restrictions put on them. I mean, you make a very good point. The government response was really swift and really large. And, you know, credit to the government on how fast they move. If you think about just the size and speed of JobKeeper, you know, the increase to JobSeeker, which actually just keeps cash flowing through, um, you know, replacing new staff for that period, and the moratorium on evictions that you refer to as you know, a code of conduct for, for landlords. But the banking industry also played a really big part of that with deferrals. So, you know, the banking industry, I think, rose to the challenge and rolled out deferrals really quickly. And, of course, then SME government guarantee loan scheme where the federal government has, has underpinned it to make uh, unsecured loans available for business. And, you know, I think that's had a big positive impact, the combination of those of keeping cash in businesses. So normally in the downturn, you know, the challenge is can you move fast enough because you can't cut your expenses fast enough, you can't make those changes and 
because you're not sure what the future is going to be, it's really hard to make tough decisions really fast because you might make them, things improve, and then you've sort of burnt the goodwill you've, you've, you've built up in your business over years. So this has really kept cash in the pockets of businesses by taking some of that pressure away. So if you're not paying your staff, if you're able to reduce and defer some rent, you know, if you're not paying principal or interest on your business facilities and, and also potentially on your personal facilities and your home loan as well, um, which is obviously very connected on most small businesses, the business and personal side, then what that's done is give people time to respond. It doesn't fix the fundamentals, but it just keeps cash in your pocket and pushes it out later. But the key is this, you know, cliff that people are talking about, which is as the deferral ends and you start to make principal interest again for business and, and also on your personal side, JobKeeper stops. So you've at that point got to decide who you can keep on staff. You know, what is the new demand for your business going to be? Therefore, do you need to make some permanent changes to your, to your staffing? And if you do, there's some real challenges that come with that because if you need to pay redundancies, that's a significant cash outflow. But if you keep people on that you can't use, is expensive as well. So as that rolls off, and then if you'd be able to reduce or defer rental payments, then obviously not only do you need to start making them, but potentially you need to have a plan to be able to make up for the deferrals so your ongoing rent might be higher than it used to be, depending on what you'd be able to negotiate with your landlord, if anything. But at the same time, we're going to have subdued demand, quite an uncertain um, improvement you know, back to whatever the new normal is. And trading restrictions are still in place and gradually being unwound for movement of people. You know, if you're in tourism or if you're in hospitality, it's really clear. But in other businesses as well, just that ability for people to move around, you know, there's a lot of indirect impact as well. So there's lots of challenges in what you've just outlined. And um, I guess at the end of the day, there's there's no one answer for all small businesses. They're all going to be in different states. And at the moment, we're starting to see restrictions ease, different pace across the country, but all states have started to lift restrictions and allow businesses to come out of hibernation. To stay afloat, they're going to have to do something different to what they did before. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago with Shane Delia of Maha, and he had quite interesting insights about where the restaurant industry was and where it needed to get to even pre-COVID. You know, he had a view that the industry needed to evolve to, to something um, a bit different to what it was. And every industry is probably going to see a new normal on the outside. Some will be lucky and their products will be facing increased demand and they'll get on with business. But others are going to have to meet their change customer needs in a different way to what they've done. So you know, what, what are some of the things that, that you can see that businesses are doing now help adapt to the new environments and generate revenue? A lot of what we've seen happen in the immediate response has been around adapting business models for things like restricted trading. So, you know, on-premise hospitality businesses moving to provide takeaway or, or other options. Um, other businesses where they might have had really concentrated business in one sector or one uh, segment of demand, looking to how they can be more diversified. And I think we'll find that people go down to a more diversity, you know, sort of a, a, a risk-based approach to make sure they've got a bit more diversity in their cash flow. So if something takes longer to recover, they've got another angle. But a lot of the things I think we've seen so far have been sometimes temporary responses as opposed to permanent. 
And I think that's partly because people haven't had to make as hard decisions as they would have if they hadn't had the level of financial support. As that rolls off, then people really need to make more permanent changes to what their business model might look like. And I think we will see people look for diversity of income, uh, look for a higher degree of variable cost versus fixed where they can, and some flexibility, not only in things like workforce, but other costs. They'll look at the size of their premises. I think the, the, you know, the working from home experience will drive you know, potentially um, people needing less office footprint, potentially, and, and rolling people through and try to get less fixed costs. So I think there'll be a lot more permanent things rolled through. But the key, I would say, is that businesses don't sit and just wait. You know, that they really start working through cash flow scenarios of if demand bounces back, if it's in certain pockets, what decisions would they make? So they've got a bit of a blueprint as they go through because sitting here today, it's very hard to say how will demand bounce back, what will go back to almost back to normal, or what will be changed forever. So, you know, the restaurant hospitality industry, yes, will have a longer term impact because of social distancing. And, and um, that is probably more evident than it is for a lot of other B2B businesses which will also have impacts. We've sort of got a little bit of, you know, we're over the panic and we've got a bit of plane sailing and starting to look to what the future might look like. Start really understanding your cash flow, working through scenarios, get advice. So whether that's from your accountant or from financial advisor or whoever you, you take um, financial advice from, sit down with them and get really on top of the numbers. Speak to the bank as it relates to other opportunities for liquidity, but put yourself in the best liquidity position you can. And we've seen a bit of access of the SME government guaranteed loans, you know, which are unsecured, and, and in fact, if you don't draw them, there's no cost. But I'm expecting businesses to look to access that more just as a backstop to give them that liquidity buffer if working capital's tighter, if you know, trade credit doesn't come back, or if they can't move their fixed versus variable costs as, as fast as they'd like to. But certainly, you know, not to wait and just think about that trade-off of diversity of, of cash flow versus simplicity of operating your business. And I think, you know, there will just be permanent changes, but the best thing to do is to have some options available to you and, and, and put yourself in the position where you have time to make decisions rather than either not have the liquidity and or just wait and hope it comes back. Yeah, it's going to be challenging times for small business going forward and 2021 will be the, the crux of it, um, I think, as, as people get through the Christmas period and, and start to realise that the real state of their business, the underlying trading performance. But it's not all doom and gloom. There are some good stories out there. What are some of the positive stories that you've seen that give you cause for optimism? We've seen businesses who have pivoted their business by saying, well, you know, we manufacture garments, we now can do some PPE. Now that looks initially like a very short-term play, but I think psyche might change where more local content might be required on an ongoing basis and they actually find that they then have two legs to their business and they make it an ongoing proposition. We'll, we'll find that businesses that, you know, we're sort of seeing some that where particular markets or supply lines have just stalled and now they're thinking about how they would change that to make the business more robust, but it's actually opened up 
some new ideas about products, you know, next to, adjacent to what they do now that can provide some more diversity. So I think that's right. There's some niche businesses who've really boomed through it, and there's a lot of businesses that have had minimal impact. I mean, we talked about agri and drought and bushfires, and that's been really devastating in some locations, more than you would have ever imagined. And while that's easing, there's some parts where agribusiness is as strong as it's been and seems largely unimpacted in some parts of that, that business. And we're seeing a lot of demand in, in farming communities for people to carry on and, and do what they've always done. And I think we'll see in some state economies as they open up early, we'll probably get some lead indicators of, of how that demand bounces back. And I think if we're sitting in, say, Victoria, where, where, where I'm based, where the economy is going to open a little slower, it'll be really interesting to see how... South Australia or Western Australia, Northern Territory or Queensland, how they respond to it and what lessons you can see even just one or two months ahead as it rolls through. The other thing that you just touched on, which I think is worth talking about, is we probably won't see a lot of really where we are until we're coming out the other side of Christmas. You know, I remember back in the GFC when in September Lehman Brothers failed and all went very quiet. And then we went into sort of the Christmas period and everyone's saying, you know, it feels really quiet. Oh, but it's, and then it was sort of like, well, it's always quiet around Christmas. A lot of people shut down. And it wasn't until the end of January when things didn't start coming back that people really saw what the impact was and, and how people needed to adjust. And I think at that point, there was a real scramble on to say, what do we need to do? This time will be sort of similar timing because we'll have a lot of those support mechanisms rolling off September, October, November. And, you know, yet to see what the government does in terms of whether there's some staging or there's some uh, industries or, or geographies where more support's required. As that rolls through, I think we'll probably get into the Christmas period as well. And we'll see what happens at Christmas, and it'll be in the early part of next calendar year where we'll really start to feel what the new normal might look like. And I think that's, you know, there's a lesson of the GFC. It's don't just wait to see. Make sure, even if you don't act now, make sure you know what the possible parts are. And I mean, it's not just their business. We've talked to a lot of customers um, over recent months that have felt the strain. Again, um, Shane Delia talked about how it, it almost became overwhelming. Um, he had to sort of take a deep breath and, and refocus himself a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's it easy to feel isolated, working from home, less interaction than we've had, you know, long hours, there's not much else you can do but work until, until late in the night and, and obviously, you know, small business are already the hardest working people in Australia in my view. Um, what, what can business owners do in, in times like that? Who, who can they talk to? Where do they get support from? You know, this has probably been the most intensive, most stressful period for most business owners that they've had in, in their in business. And it's really important that, that people are looking after their teams and looking after themselves and their families. And, you know, not only physical health, but, you know, mental health and mental well-being is so important. And I think that's something that at the moment people need to really be taken care of as well. Because I think we've had a very stressful time, but I think business conditions are going to be pretty tough for, for the next year or two. And uh, it's really important that people take time to, to think about how they personally navigate through so they're in the best position they can to make sound and balanced decisions as they face into, uh, into how the economy opens up. So it's really important for people to 
reach out to friends and family and uh, and there's you know a number of counseling services and other people you can talk to because if you don't you know then it sort of just rolls forward and builds pressure so I think that's a really important thing to take the time to do and and now is probably the best time you're going to have to do that um, because I think it will get more intense as the economy rolls on and some of the support falls away. Okay, well, um, thanks for your time today, Isaac. Really insightful. And um, I think a couple of things that you called out that kind of resonated was, um, you know, how our customers need to become less reliant on single markets. I mean, we've seen that in terms of uh, Australia's reliance on China. Um, you know, it is it is an awkward position when um, yeah, a business has a heavy reliance on you know, one particular large customer or supplier and if something happens there, the impact's downstream and that diversity of income is going to be very, very important. We are headed for a more digital world um, you know, and people working from home, so the size of premises, there's a cost opportunity for some of our customers there and they're going to have to have leaner cost bases across the board. Um, and you know, there's going to be there's going to be sadly um, losers and winners out of this environment. It's it's going to be over a protracted period. Um, 2021's probably going to be the crunch of it when we see businesses make decisions about their future, and um, it's going to be unfortunate customers that were at an awkward stage of growth leading into this. You know, adolescence, if you like, as a, as a business, are not going to reach adulthood on the other side of this because um, the world just changed so dramatically before they'd established themselves. And some of those are going to find themselves in, a, in an awkward position in the next 12 to 24 months. We've got a lot of work to do for ourselves to help support the business. But thanks for your time today. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. We'll see you next time.